Welcome to a Words, Beats, and Life podcast. This episode features the Beautifully Uncomfortable Discussion Series. Hello, 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 everyone. You are now tuned into Beautifully Uncomfortable. This is, we've been a few, a few episodes in now, and I uh, hope you're enjoying it. This show is brought to you by Words, Beats, and Life, as you know, and we have an esteemed panel tonight. So we're going to grab those folks and, awesome. I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves, um, but I'm so, well, like, I'm just happy to have you here. I'm delighted that you joined us. And Candice, I'm going to go around and sort of in the order that, that it shows on my screen. So Candace, introduce yourself first. Okay. Um, hello, how are you? Uh, my name is Candace Mills and uh, I already know you, girl. <laughs> um, but I'm a vocalist here in the DMV area. Um, I have a 17 year old son who's a break dancer. He's an art swell. Um, I was playing, I had a residency with CI at the 18th Street Lounge for I was roughly 14 years and that closed. Um, it was every Wednesday night and um, I played in a group called Future that was also um, rock and hip hop based. So um, I think people probably know that about me for anything else. Um, I live here in Arlington right now um, and I'm still playing music. So like me in a nutshell just thank you so much it's so wonderful to see you again you too. Um, and then Shanika let's have you introduce yourself hey guys um my name's Shanika I kind of grew up in this music industry I'm born in Jamaica grew up in the South Bronx and I'm working PR so I do a lot of festivals mostly international um, here in the States too and I'm currently living in Los Angeles but music has been born into it you know what I mean so that's all I know and that's what I'm doing now I love it so can't complain wonderful thank you so much for joining us tonight where are you located um I'm in LA okay awesome yeah awesome and Candace I did not ask you because I know you are a a globe trotter so where are you tonight I'm sorry, were you talking to me? Oh, I'm asking where are you tonight? Because I know you are globe trotter and usually all across the world. So where are you? Oh, right. So no, I'm, I'm at home actually today. Oh, okay. I, okay. So since COVID, man, I just take that time when I need it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, so the I'm sitting down on. a little bit. Things are a little bit different, you know? Yes. And let's, um, we've just got Ian added on, but Jamal, let's um, go next to you. Peace. Yeah, I'm Jamal. Jamal Reed. Um, how y'all doing? Good to see you. Great to see you. Great. Um, I am all over the place. I'm uh, one part of the Amphibians, which means I used to MC and DJ, and uh, as parts of Words, Beats, and Life back in its early days, I used to teach graffiti classes as well as DJ classes, hip hop classes all, all around. So all elements. Um, yeah, now, and nowadays, coach snowboarding, uh, 
do remodeling in my mom's house. <laughs> so I am in Ohio at the moment, but I'm based out of Vermont. We'll see how long that is. So yeah, that's about it. Yes. It's so good to see you, Jamal. I haven't seen you in a long time, but I'm happy the amphibians are back on the map. And uh, yes, I'll be on your show next uh, next week. So I'm looking forward to talking to Joe Villa, yes. Um, Akir, let's get you next. Tell us about yourself. Peace. Uh, my name is Akir. I'm a MC out of New York, but also DC. I went to Howard, so I cut my teeth quite a bit down in DC. I was down there for about uh, 10 years or so. Um, yeah, I'm part of a, a collective called Rebel Arms. Um, uh, Mortal Technique, Chino Excel, Poison Pen, Swave Sever, just to name a few. Um, I'm a producer as well, uh, entrepreneur of all, all different types. And most currently, I've been doing a lot of work in television and film and uh, as a crew member. Awesome. Yes, another long tenured history. And um, so thank you so much, everyone, for joining us and sharing that. Ian, I know, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, thank you guys for uh, inviting me on tonight. My name is Ian Taraji. Um, I am a musician. I'm an asylum lawyer representing primarily Central American migrants um, in immigration court seeking asylum. Um, but also a musician, composer, jazz composer, uh, with the uh, Lucky So-and-Sos, um, with uh, MC Artemis, and then also a podcast host with Tia and uh, Artemis, uh, the show Grande Lock, uh, the Grandiloquent hip-hop show. And so we do, about every other week or so, we review current releases, uh, classic hip-hop albums, and then just kind of like what's going on in hip-hop culture so uh uh honored to be here and, and, and thanks for having me sorry i couldn't get my mute off i apologize for that so <laughs> thank you again to everyone for joining us tonight i am um, gonna hop right into some questions if i could and um Seth matthews as you know produces the show and works really hard to think about questions to surface really get us to to have conversations that open up dialogue um and so one of the one of the these questions tonight are focused on cultural appropriation um one of the is a definition of cultural appropriation which is um the adoption of an element or elements of one culture or identity by members of another culture or identity this can be controversial when members of a dominant culture appropriate from disadvantaged minority cultures all words i feel like are very um uh, disadvantaged minority are always controversial words I feel like um, in today's time not very asset based kind of strength based language um, but based on that uh, that definition which itself sounds like it needs to be updated um, is hip-hop as we know it today is this is this what we would consider hip-hop as we know it today or where it's headed um, and and I posed that to everyone on the panel that that would be open to answering it. And Shanika, there was a side question on sort of the same for reggae music. Is it headed this way in terms of cultural appropriation? Does anybody care to start us off with the answer on that? Um, I can. Perfect. Um, Thank you. So I would actually because when when Flex talked to me about. Um, doing this 
um, I had recently seen an article that um, they were talking about um, hip hop and appropriation, like what it's a fine line between appreciating something um, and appropriating something. And they brought up the Miley Cyrus example um, and how she went from doing country music, kind of Hannah Montana, um, and then goes into this uh, this weird, I guess, phase where she's with rappers and it's what was going on at the time. And she jumped right on it. And then when asked why she decided not to um, continue doing it, she said, I feel like rap is disgusting. I feel like um, it's um, sexualized and I, I don't, there were so many things that she was describing it as, but it, but also in my mind, I'm like, you chose to do this. And this is what, you know, whether she was pushed by her company to do it or not, to me, um, it just seemed like she jumped on what she thought would be the hottest next thing. And she didn't get a lot of, um, you know, uh, praise for that. Um, in the end, it, was, it really left a lot of, uh, uh, bad taste in people's mouth when when she did that, and uh, and some were even arguing that um, by her saying that, like I guess people were just saying, okay, maybe that's a phase or that's a genre she wanted to try, but by her saying this is the reason I stopped because rap is disgusting, hip hop is disgusting, and they uh, over sexualize and um, I don't I, I I don't know I found I found that to be a large problem. Um, because there are lots of, um, I feel like there are lots of white artists who do that. Um, Justin Bieber, I mean, you know, those are just a few of the examples that I that I saw um, when I was reading this. And um, I know that you were saying something about um, reggae also. I was also thinking about a flyer that I saw where it was all really young white reggae bands and all the legends like Jimmy Cliff um, I forget who oh Burning Spear was at the bottom in fine print and you know when you see a, a flyer and the headline mm-hmm. headlining bands are at the top with the big I mean you really put Burning Spear at the bottom Wow. you know with with I think Lee Scratch Perry was on that same one and so I ended up commenting on it because I saw it on Facebook but I ended up commenting on it and people were quick to try to defend it but to me, I mean, that that's just disrespectful. To me, that that is not appreciation. To me, that is all the way appropriation, and um, mm-hmm. and I think it's disrespectful, personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I can't agree with you more. I think I live in a city full of culture vultures, AKA Los Angeles, California, and it's just hard to to deal with and hard to see and um you know speaking on what you have mentioned not just at reggae and i mean this is something very near and dear to my heart i am the daughter of a reggae legend and i um it was hard for me working in festivals in pr especially here in california where you would see those legends even hip-hop legends be replaced on headlines for these festivals and it's local white roots surf reggae 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of part of the reason why I started working in the industry more outside of the country. Because outside of the country, our legends are appreciated and, you know, have more love. So people always ask me, like, why Why is it that you only work at festivals in Europe and Asia and, and South America? Because I feel like we're a little bit more respected. And, you know, it's hard to just explain to people. Um, but I think um, growing up in this industry or growing up around it, um, my father's Bunny Routes was the lead singer of Third World. So yeah. um, I grew up in studios with legends and around Jimmy Cliff and Burning Spear and Dennis Brown and all these people my whole life. And I've seen them not get their flowers or the respect that they're deserving because of people taking our culture, taking our music, our style, remixing it themselves. and now making a killing making more money getting more clout getting more acknowledgement than some of these legends ever had their entire lives so it's definitely visible um i know you know oscar wilde always says imitation is the best form of flattery for me it's insulting i can't speak for anybody else but it's definitely here mm-hmm. yeah well, rest in peace to your father. It's an amazing, amazing legacy that left behind. Um, yeah. Does anyone else want to comment on that additionally in, in terms of especially speaking from a global perspective and how different cultures maybe um, view um, the lens of, of Black art and hip-hop and, and, and reggae and Black music? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's this is an interesting conversation to me only because I don't think most people would have much of an idea about hip hop if it wasn't put through the um, the capitalist lens of like basically sold to people and usually when it's sold once you start selling something. Uh, it, once it becomes a, something to market, then it goes into the business atmosphere and becomes what people feel they can do with it to make money off of it. So um, the things that I, the conversation about cultural appropriation within hip hop and music in general um, is a hard conversation for me because I feel like whenever a genre grows uh it's gonna it's gonna take on a a different life because it's gonna take on what people who gravitate towards it seem to start taking from it and trying to do um and then do whatever you know from there so like you have jazz obviously as one of our more uh recent um examples so it's just it's a hard conversation for me because i feel like it's just kind of a known that that's what's going to happen that we've all watched it happen um from as early as watching uh breaking because you know, like, mm-hmm. i mean they, everybody you know I, I should just leave it at that because it, it's just to me that once you saw like once the capitalist structure grabbed up gravitated towards hip-hop and, and started trying to sell the dance part and realizing they couldn't really sell the dance part so they started selling the rap part yeah. And they knew that they could, oh, that was the thing, because they couldn't sell the DJ. 
it was the rapper that they were able to sell well then that's kind of how hip-hop became known to most people but it, it was that dichotomy where people were like well those who were true to it understand the elements understand like they kind of try to stay on this this path and keep it dear and you, you, even with it going all over the world you have many people who try to stay true to that that's what's so fun about seeing the festivals in mm -hmm. germany and asia and, like where people are really trying to hold the elements and stay true to them um but at the same time it's like for most people to have even seen it it had to have been you know marketed to them and usually once that starts happening it gets diluted and it is no longer what those who kind of feel true to the core feel it really is or should be. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> I have a hard time even thinking that it's worth having a conversation. I mean, it's a conversation, but I feel like it's almost a given, like it's known that yeah. that's what's happening. Um, that commodification happens and then- right. It's just a matter of how much you really want to talk about it or how deep do you want to dive into it. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, even like you, especially when you talk about reggae, like the, because I look at music as like when you see people do covers, you know, like when you do a cover of a song, it's like okay, cool, I get to hear the song done by another person, but do I really want to hear that person do the song? Like, do I really want to see them like try to make the song their own? Because if you just do it the same way the person did it, well, then you're just copying it. It's even yeah. though it is. You know you're doing the cover but so nobody wants to see you try to sing the song the exact same way mm -hmm. the original person who you kind of know know sang it but yeah. then you try to go all over the place with it then people are gonna look at you like well what are you doing you know like so it's a hard deal for me to think about like because I, I just understand that especially with art people have to copy in order to even elevate their 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 styles mm -hmm. they have to get an idea from somewhere it's hard for people to just come up with something brand new that they've never, no one's ever heard or seen before. Right. So usually you're pulling from elements and it's just a matter of how do you treat it when you start doing that. Um, so yeah, it's a hard conversation for me. I mean, I, I think a lot of a, a lot of what the debate exists on is the, the part of paying homage, right? So like mm -hmm. in, in most of these cultures that were described as, you know, um, I forget where were the the incendiary terms that were that were kind of in that that definition that that we were talking about in the beginning, but minority you know, and disadvantaged. Right. What I what I would say is native native and black people. You know, if we <laughs> want to keep it funky, right? And in in many of our cultures, there is a coexistence between the art and um, some sort of faith based space. Um, the uh, you know responsibility to our people our heritage so on and so forth so you know when you know i, I guess the part of it that i that, that i look for is trying to find that defining space that lets me know that this is not a shared experience this is someone exactly taking and not and not reciprocating in any way shape or form you know like I forget who it was that I was watching on on one of these platforms, but they were talking about someone sampling their song and them themselves as a hip hop artist, you know, most of their catalog is probably sampled from, you know, the 60s and 70s, what have you. Um, but they were talking about a contemporary artist and they were saying that, you know, at the very least, the guy could have gave me a shout out, you know what I mean? Or at yeah. the very least, 
you know, when he did the video, he could have included me in the video. You know, something that would would have generated some sort of attention back towards his brand or whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. in terms of the cloth that I'm from and the, and the people that were before me, what was passed to me, you know, with that microphone was the necessity to create that symbiotic relationship and further what was was given to me, you know what I mean? And in all the cultures that, that I'm made of, you know, even down to, you know, cooking or building something or what have you, it's it's well known and taught that it's your responsibility now to teach somebody, you know, bestow that gift upon someone else and give, you know, give its due from where you got it from. You know, that's the exchange. You're just simply a con a conduit. I think that's that's what that's the real problem here is that you know hip hop is is being used you know as a as a disposable item versus mm. um, you know versus some sort of uh, space of, of legacy and and uh, you know heirloom you know yeah. and that that that's the part of me that that that's what kind of rips rips me apart when I when I see that part isn't I, I you know I think. You know, at his earliest stages, you know, you're talking about black kids and Latino kids getting, you know, getting busy and building something together. And as it goes further and further, it, you know, you see, you see other people from different places starting to share that craft. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's really easy to see when somebody's just wearing it like a hat. You know what I mean? And, and tossing right. it away. How many? How many? You know, other people from other genres, let alone you know whatever the the, the the racial and financial issues blah, blah 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 but like let's let's talk about pop pop artists like how you were talking about before r&b artists and what have you yeah they go and kick it with some with some hip-hop artists you know for this record and if that record don't do well or people don't respond to it appropriately or something else happens to pop up on the charts in that space and time that's a better fad so to speak they immediately discard it. They immediately discard it. They, they'll walk right past the person that they that they had a, a hit single with last season because now that person is is involved in, in in something that they that their PR person told them to stay away from, or they happen to fall down on the charts or what have you. And it's, it, it gets frustrating. It gets frustrating. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Ian, do you, I, I'd love for you to come into the, oh, uh, and you also, which I, I don't know, you mentioned your Lucky So-and-Sos, it's also a band. Yeah. Yeah, so I consider myself a jazz musician. Um, I play in Lucky So-and-Sos, which is sort of the vehicle for music that I compose and that I write, and that is sort of a jazz hip-hop hybrid. And um, so this is an interesting conversation and I think everybody has made really really great points and it's been really interesting to listen to all these different perspectives um, the the issue of cultural appropriation look I I, I play jazz that is a, a black art form I'm in a hip-hop group that's a black art form and so the issue of cultural appropriation to me is one that I that I think about a lot because uh, I don't want to disrespect an art form. I don't want to disrespect the culture. You know, I play jazz and I've been playing, I've been studying jazz intently for you know, close to 15 years. And I still consider myself like a jazz novice 
Uh, I mean, I've been I've been a musician for over 30 years. I've been studying jazz intently, you know, well over 10, and and just you know, I, I'm probably going to die feeling that I'm a jazz novice. Um, <laughs> so the way I try to think about it is one respect the art form to respect the culture from which that art form uh, uh, grew and then three try not to be something that I'm not I'm not trying to give some 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 kind of authenticity beyond what I am you know I'm 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 I'm, I'm a white guy who grew up in white Midwest suburbs and you know, just came into jazz just by being a musician. I uh, came into hip hop by being a musician. I grew up as a as a blues guitar player um, outside outside Chicago, and so you know another African American art form. And you recognize that, and 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 to me, it's important to to study and respect the the form, to understand the cultures uh, that those that those art forms came from. Um, and then, like I said, just to try not to be something that I'm not, to try and, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I am who I am and I present my art and I hope that I can give back to the form, um, that I'm respecting the form by studying it, by understanding the history. Uh, and, and, you know, that's really where I try to come at this, at this from. I think um, the point about commercialism uh, are are really important. Um, any art form that becomes commercialized becomes commercialized, and and that can dilute the art form. And to me, it's important to to just really be clued in with you know with with, with the art form. And so, studying it, learning about it, you know, and also loving it and enjoying it. Um, you know, to me, that's, that's, that's just, that's, that's really important. Now, do, uh, thank you for sharing that perspective. Um, do you, I think, and, and I'll rotate this back around, but um, there's a question here on whether or not the issue is about emulation or compensation, how, and, and, and thinking about why cultural appropriation tends to be overlooked. Um, I think, you know, what I'm, I'm wondering how you all view that through your lens in terms of, is this a conscious choice that people are making? Are they doing it unintentionally? Why, why are people not noticing that there is a cultural appropriation issue and how are they not preventing that um, or acting um, against being a, being a indirect violation, I guess, of that? Anyone? Um, so you remember when Robin Thicke came out with um, with a song and he was, uh, and that was a big- A Blurred um, Lines? Yes, yes, I couldn't yeah. remember the title of it. But um, that was also a big, uh, I mean, that was, that was also him just flat out, just taking, you know, from it. But, um, but other than that, what, the popularity of it when it came out, even afterwards, people knowing where it came from, mm -hmm. um, it just didn't seem, I guess, like such a big deal. I mean, it didn't really suffer um, from that. Actually, people wanted to hear it more and stream it more because, you know, 
because of that. So I I have to agree with Jabal in, in a way with with um, because it is a hard it's hard um, because yes, if it it is it was it was gobbled up. Hip hop has been just taken from so many um, so many different artists um, and from all over the world. And when I was in Russia, I remember um, when we were on tour, we were told that um, there was this one school that knew that we were coming and they wanted so bad to perform for us. So we get there and everybody has a black musician that is their favorite. And these kids from, I don't know, from five or six years old, they literally have studied, I mean, facial expressions, tones, songs, lyrics. I mean, of all of these black artists that they absolutely worship. And and when they, each one of them stood in front of us and they started, um, you know, performing whatever they prepared, you could close your eyes and and literally you couldn't tell some of them from um, some of your favorite jazz artists. It was incredible how much they really, really, really were into these artists. Um, And it it makes me think that um, a lot of times it is because this comes naturally for black people because this is our music. I feel like there are some people, some artists who feel like that is their standard for success, for making it. Once I know that I'm there and I can, uh, like like how the, the uh, producers for Pink, you know, how they put her out as, as an R&B artist and they're like, okay, if you can get to this point and get, um, capture this audience you know once she got to do whatever she wanted to do she had already met that that standard you know so i don't know i I feel like um yes it is kind of hard to be able to um to to it's not always in every situation like i gave with with the respecting the reggae artists um and the legends i mean but uh i don't feel um like some of the places that I've gone um, mm-hmm. while traveling, I don't feel like it's disrespectful because for some reason I feel like they're just really, um, it's really interesting yeah. and it's, it's something that they really enjoy, something they don't take for granted. So, so you don't, in, in that case, it has a little bit of nuance, it sounds like, because depending on who is sort of, mm-hmm. is adopting the music or adopting the culture, how it's being adopted and how it's being framed, maybe like the framework around right. it. Any, anyone else care to comment on that? I mean, I think oh, it's important to, to, to not be copying. Mm-hmm. Um, copying is not artistry, I don't see. I mean, obviously it takes some skill yeah. to be able to perform. Um, you know, and I know that a lot of jazz musicians will transcribe, you know, like the the Coltrane solo on, uh, you know, Coltrane solo on, on uh, you know, uh, kind of blue, and and mm-hmm. it's 
you know, uh, copying is 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 one thing. I think when when jazz artists are transcribing something, um, they're doing it with the with the intention of of learning and adding things to their own arsenal. You know, and I've played. You know, I've been a musician for you know over 30 years, and I've played a lot of different styles. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much a one instrument player on on guitar, uh, but I've you know played a lot of different styles, and so I feel like getting all of that under my fingers has helped me develop a unique style and so my hope is that when i compose and when i write music that i'm giving something back and and you know i don't want to say elevating the art form but but hopefully giving something back um and not just copying and not just trying to pass something off hmm. Now I wonder, I, I think it's interesting, and Jamal, maybe you can insert this a little bit, but think about Bob James and, and the recent sort of turn now where he is embracing his music being sampled, but for many years was against that and sort of the idea of kind of a turn on the, almost kind of like a an internal argument, I don't know, that he might have been having with himself over how the music was being sampled or without his permission now that he's given permission any any comment to that jamal at all well um it's funny to me because the there's a couple sides to the the, the taking of something mm -hmm. utilizing it and then putting it back out um with whatever you've decided whether you were going to remake it re spin on it or what have you the it, this whole the whole idea of cultural appropriation to me is it's very funny because um, I, it, it, I liken it to uh, conquerors, um, especially kind of the, the the Mongols when Genghis Khan would conquer, or even Romans when they would conquer an area, they would take people from that area into their community, so they would kind of fold them in and then take of that community and then expand and with hip-hop a big thing for us is to take what was out there what we what we had and bring it into what we've got going on and then expand it turn it into something else um re-innovate it what have you so for others to look at it and not see the, the idea of cultural appropriation, I can understand that because they see that whenever something is done, that usually you take something and then you do something with it and bring it back out. And it's just about how you do it. Um, and what we've kind of been talking about is kind of like, well, who's doing it? Or what are the kind of basics or, or what's the the... the the respect element that they're giving to it um and so like say with bob james it's like most people would, who've heard the songs that have sampled him would have no idea who bob james was unless they started to finally delve into those songs like delve into the actual samples unless you had an ear that made you go you know i want to find that or you started you know like that's how i got to learn a lot of soul music, was just starting to figure out the samples that were in a lot of the songs that i really love and for me that's that's kind of a standard that we're holding right now as far as what we feel is appropriation or not whether you listen or view or and then delve into it or whether you just take it on and 
shed it and add another thing and, and don't really have any cares about what it really is. You just thought it looked cool at the time, utilized it and then moved on to the next thing. Um, and it, it, for people as artists, if you're an artist, it's kind of like, you know what, you're gonna do what you want. You know, like, look at Prince, I mean, he's gonna be what he decides he wants to do at whatever time. You know, you can't really say because he played rock that he's just a rock artist. You know, like, so, it, and then I go back down the line of, okay, well, appropriation of rock, like all those things. These things to me, it's like, a, it, it really comes down to how do you, how does the person hold whatever it is that they are putting on? And does it mean anything to them? If it doesn't mean anything to them, well, then there you, there's your answer on the appropriation part. Hmm. Akira, it looks like you had you had some comment you were about to make on that. I agree. I agree with a lot, a lot what Jamal was saying. I mean, you know, it's um, it's interesting because there's so many. It's such a dynamic conversation. Um. You know, if you if you put on one hat at a time, you know, I think it gets a little bit clear clearer to me. Um, but looking at it, the the whole space conceptually, I mean, even like talking about the about Bob James, right? Like, how many people? I mean, I I don't know this to be true, but I can only imagine how how many people probably thought you know that he was appropriating jazz music. You know when he first started or was or starting to get popping and then you know then you find him being like one of the most sampled person people in hip-hop and then what's to say you know what's to say that he didn't feel that people were appropriating his music and then you know now that he's opening up and you know everything is changing you know so you've got that then you also have the 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 whole uh difference in perspective of whatever's going on contemporarily like you know i i'm also a hip-hop educator so you know there's times where i have these certain rules and this certain foundation and basis that won't allow me to make certain moves because i feel like it's disrespected disrespectful to our heritage to me personally it's, it, it doesn't fit what I what I want to represent it's not something that I would want my children to you know it's not something that I want to pass it to my children whatever and they absolutely proceed with reckless abandon they don't they they may not care who they offend where it comes from however they just know that like so and so had it on the last record this is what's hitting right now I need a look this is what's going going on and you know there's been so many times where you know we've come to disagreements and i've had to step away from the board and say hey you know show me what you got at the end of it because i don't understand that perspective you know and, but then that's me also being a hypocrite because it's also a piece of what i know youthful music to be not only hip-hop but just to, to to be able to challenge whatever the status quo are and say okay well i'm i'm going to try it this way and in that in that reckless abandon and in that youthful spirit, you know, the, the times where you hit on something that nobody thought would would work is amazing and it's her is heralded for the rest of you know rest of time. But 
there also is opportunities where you're going to smack it to the wall and you did something absolutely wrong and you got to come back and be able to, you know, to have a conversation in some way, shape, or form, whether it be through the art form or through whatever, with your fan base or with the culture that that you were representing. And I don't think, I don't think the people that I feel who are appropriating bear that responsibility. They only bear that responsibility when the titties come out of the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? That's the only time where they want to, you know, where they want to, you know, have the apology in front of all the press. It's, it, you know, it, it's on that next album, provided that, provided that no one inquired longer than three months or so, mm-hmm. it, would, it would never be addressed. It'd be swept under the rug. Trust and believe that. But if it keeps yeah. going, then you're like, okay, well, we have to clean it up, boom, 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 boom. So then, like, how real is that apology? And, you know, I don't know. It's it's twisted, man. It's just, it's twisted. I, only only thing I know is that me and Miles, we got to have a beacon. That beacon is in, is in our heart and our spirit and, you know, and, and our lineage and, and responsibility to that. You know, all this weird stuff going on, man, a lot of it, I, I honestly... <laughs> you can't let it inundate me in what I know is my, you know, my true calling. I wonder, Shanika, we're, Flex has a great question here about labels and, and companies, but I wonder, before we get there, I would love to hear your feedback on this just because, I mean, Third World has been sampled so much from Freddie Gibbs to Most Def to so many different people. How does that feel for you, having that sort of firsthand experience of that? So I think Ian had touched on it earlier. I think if you're doing it consciously or just having that respect given back to the artist or acknowledging or having that thought process, I think it's okay. Sorry about that. Um, I have, you know, artists that I work with who, you know, are fans who aren't, who are Caucasian, who want to do the music and have like, um, you know, acts about respect or wanting to do something and say, I don't want to disrespect, but I still want to honor. Most artists don't ask. Most record labels don't ask. Most people don't ask. And it's so funny you talk about sampling because <laughs> a lot of those artists at times don't acknowledge where those songs come from, especially when it's a, a Jamaican artist or any type of reggae, African artist. There's no acknowledgement. There's, you know, within my life meeting children of other famous people i've met children of fila kuti and he's been sampled and people don't acknowledge him or his work or things that he's done so it's very difficult sometimes especially growing up in it you know um even when i started working in the industry nobody knew whose, whose kid i was i never used that as a um way to get me up in the ladder or you know i was interning at mtv when i was 18 years old i worked my way up in the music industry with no one ever knowing who my dad was um and just kind of sitting in a room with people sampling and stuff and i'm like i know they didn't ask for permission or you know it's been it's been difficult it's been difficult to to see these things happen and wonder what had happened within the industry why these people think um these things are okay you know, I mean, God rest his soul, my dad passed seven years ago, and within his passing, people now realize whose kid I am and whose kid it was that was working with them and taking them overseas and working with them in other countries. I mean, 
it's it's a very different world. I mean, we all sample. We come music industry samples. I mean, two weeks ago when they were doing the um, the verses, I saw so many comments um, or people posting videos saying their children, their grandchildren, didn't know that that song was an Isley Brothers song or Earth Wind and Fire song or oh, you know, I thought that was a Beatles song or I didn't know. Uh, the, you know, Ernie Icy wrote that song, so it's definitely, you know, I think as long as the honor is given or just the notoriety, to me, it's not even a a money thing. It's just being respectful, and there's a lot of people who who aren't respectful. That's just my uh, personal opinion. I mean, not only just hip hop. You, you have to understand. For me too. I, I mean, I left from. Kingston, Jamaica, and landed in the South Bronx. <laughs> so, you know, another mecca of music and hip hop, and uh, being around the early '90s, the artists, the people who are still there. I mean, even those hip hop legends, and you know, coming up in New York City, and you're like, wow, you learn a lot <laughs> and you see a lot. But um, you, I think it's just up to us. Um, and Akira touched on it, just having a consciousness or not wanting his children to do these things. I think it's it's our job to educate these generations that are coming up and let them know um, where things are coming from, because a lot of them don't. A lot of them are lost. Well, do you, do you speaking of that and, and thinking about Flex's next question, is there any responsibility on labels and and executives and companies to do any of this to do maybe edify artists or maybe have some some particular curriculum even that they introduce around this is there any responsibility there at all there should be but is there in my opinion not not much or not enough but there definitely should be jamal i see you uh, perfect there you go um, well, the conversation that we seem to be having, or the, the, the kind of the point that seems to be um, a sticking point for appropriation is, is centered around ethics and morals. Um, and then you're asking a business to have ethics or morals. Um, and I know as a business student, there were business ethics classes, but to go into the real world and look at business, um, that is, you know, like that is something you can't uh, you can't regulate. So the it really comes down to the population who actually uh, want to have the history shown or make sure that it, it maintains a standard. Um, so as you had said, it's it's kind of up to us if that is something that we feel is necessary and, and, and we hold dear to consistently be on artists, labels, you know, companies like, to, to hold them accountable uh, because they don't hold themselves accountable. They won't hold themselves accountable to something like that because they're, they're in it for profit. So whatever profits is what they're going to be steering towards. And if it hits their profit, meaning that if we're boycotting or doing things that basically take away from them making money because we don't we feel it doesn't meet a standard that's the only way you would actually be able to get 
businesses to kind of hold themselves to a standard. Because like Akira said, it, until it happens in front of the world and the world holds you, you know, accountable for something that they see that they don't feel fits their moral compass, you're able to just skate along and do whatever you want to do until something like that, until you're you're brought to the carpet for something like that. So, and, and, and right now, it, the masses don't seem to care about what we seem to care dearly about within these cultures, within this this music, but it, it's kind of the same thing with you know having a hip hop union. Um, until the culture sets forth a standard and really starts holding individuals and companies accountable, you, it's going to be very hard for you to see a company just decide, okay, yeah, we're going to do it. And no one's going to, you know, like they didn't have really any anybody pushing them to do that. So. Right. That's an interesting question, especially today, where so many companies are now doubling down on their commitment to create equality and parity, recognizing that it is hitting their bottom their bottom line. So, is it a, a an issue around revenue and whether or not they're being compensated to do to educate artists or to educate others on how they're how they should be regarding art? Any anybody else have any other commentary on that? Yeah, I. Uh... I think that not all labels are created equally. I think that there are certain labels that care about elevating the art. I think that there are certain labels that care about the form generally beyond just the artists that are signed to that label. And then there are labels, you know, we all know which ones they are that are just corporations, you know, caring about the bottom line and whatever's going to hit is going to hit. Whatever's going to stream a million streams, um, that's what they want. And it's less about art and it's less about art forms and elevating artists than it is about a product and marketing a product. Um, so I think not all labels are created equal, um, but all labels are trying to make a buck. Um, they're certainly trying to recoup their costs. They're trying to make a profit, uh, and and you know so that commercialism always has a distorting effect on art, um, and you know so yeah. Wonderful. If I if I, I might head to another question, I think that adds into this that. Um, the cultural appropriation of today is much different than that of the intentional cultural appropriation for minstrel shows with blackface. Um, and today's example are, are not necessarily as visceral as the 1830s as we think about, or 1930s, or even, I mean, there is there certainly additional elements of that. But again, I think we, we, we kind of keep revolving around this idea around sort of how how cultural appropriation is happening. How do you think it could be prevented? Especially because it's not as in your face or as visible as it has been in the past. What kind of measures can people do to assure that they don't um, they don't activate that? Um, well, I don't know if this has anything to to do with the question, but I just thought of it, um, and I, I think. Uh, this plays a little bit of the part in and why um, I had very few MCs that I knew that I'm and I did this 
this was not something I did consciously, but um, I realized after I went to a couple of jam sessions and they had um, they had a band there. So a couple of kids went up there and literally, I mean, and there were white rappers and every other word was the N word. And I just, I, I know they were kids, but I wanted to throw stones. <laughs> I legit wanted to throw stones. Like, um, that's the kind of, when I talk about respect, it's things like that. Um, of course, yes, they were also wearing do-rags. So that's like part of, it's become part of hip hop culture, but it's also like, for real, why are, why are you doing that? So I know I don't know if that is even anywhere near what you were asking in, in, in your question, but it was just something that I thought about. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's important archetypes and artifacts of yeah. culture that are also um, taken as well. Because I used to skate and um, skateboard and I had friends from everywhere and my dad would all take us out he built a ramp for us and there and there was literally when i say it was just diverse and um it wasn't anything for us to to literally have like classic old school hip-hop and then throw on some beastie boys you know and i never felt that um strongly in a negative way that that was appropriation i feel like um, they had a different way of expressing their love for hip hop and how they did it. Um, like I said, there, there are ways that you can educate people on how to, um, um, how to show respect, um, while also being inspired by what, what you write and what the music that you make. But, um, you could just start by doing that, by calling out people that, um, like I said, at that jam session, um, the kids that just kept throwing that word around, and they kept emphasizing it too, just every time they would say it. So, you know, it's those kind of things that, that I feel like when we talk about respect and like with the flyers, when I was talking about the reggae um, festival that was happening and all the legends were at the bottom, you know, that, um, that, that kind of respect. Um, not just taking profiting off of it and then you know there are so many artists that i know that that really they are the foundation of uh, a certain genre any of them um and they literally either die broke from mismanagement or meanwhile the people that have taken it upon themselves to recreate or emulate to the point where it's like biting from them and they are flourishing, you know? Oh, great points. Anyone else want to comment on that specifically? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, cause I keep talking, but it's, it, to me, it's a, it's a matter of standards and practices. Um, when we were part of Freestyle Union, whenever you went into the cypher, Whenever the bitch hoe nigger words came out, you were shut down. So it was always known, like if you didn't, if you weren't, if you you're new to the whole deal, 
didn't matter. Once you stepped into the center and you started to do something that was outside of the standards and practices, you were readily uh, made aware of that the fact that you're you're out of bounds. Um, what we you know we as a culture have to kind of do is literally take control of our own destiny. Um, and that's on a, so many different levels. So it really comes down to those who hold it dear to start to kind of really speak in, in unison as opposed to being the hater, the one hater, the one um, crotchety old black man that wants to always say back in my day. Uh, mm -hmm. It really comes down to, because Ian is totally right, and I'm sorry that I totally glossed over that fact, is that you know, there, are, there, there are labels and then there are the labels that make up what the labels get you know, like the you know because as amphibians we have our label like we are our own label as as myself i have my own label as spread love mm -hmm. my own label so i hold standards for what i will release and what i will actually put any money into or any time into um and it's up to us as far as within the culture to kind of be moving on that way and, and actually working with those who we see working in that same vein so that we can actually mm -hmm. gather that strength in numbers to set those standards and set those practices so that it, it, it's, it becomes uh, a space where people feel almost as if they, they should be, like they, they, they fear doing things that are against the, the whole, you know, because they, they know that as soon as they start to do those things, someone's going to be coming up to let them know it's already been seen they've seen it happen to others so they already know that that's that's a viable um outcome if they go down that route uh and, and that's things like because we are all you know in that that age group that is above 30 we are we are the ones who have that space where it's like okay we've kind of most of us have started raising children um, have had jobs for a while, have done things that we've kind of like taken us from being locked into the culture on the way that we were when we were, say, like in our teens and early 20s, where it was like, that was all we cared about. That is all we do. And it, it and building from there is kind of, you know, we were hoping to be wherever we were going to be in that culture. Um, as we've grown older, life hits you but it's also one of those things where it's like, okay, well, there's so many things for me to try to keep my mind on. I can't be focused on who's doing what on the internet, who's doing what on, you know, like these are things. But if you have a, a group aspect as opposed to an individual aspect, then you have the ability for people to monitor and actually address things and have backing instead of it feeling yeah. just individuals doing it. Like here, I wonder. I wonder if you would shed some light on that too, especially thinking about it from like a nonprofit lens and working with youth. And how how are youth sort of viewing this? Is this something? Because I always feel like there's such a disconnect between everyone is, is saying Gen Z feels this way, and you know they they're not as respectful. They're helping to contribute to some of these problems. Is how are how are youth sort of thinking about cultural appropriation? Are they? I mean, to, to to be honest, I haven't been I haven't been active active as a like a direct uh, educator with an organization in some time, but I still uh, serve as a mentor and um, you know have little brothers and this that and the third. But um, from what I'm getting, um, to to be honest, there's 
widely there's a large difference um, generationally between my generation and I guess what would be the, the teenagers of today in that um, like I said earlier they they proceed with like reckless abandon and um, directly to us as a generation I think there's many of us that um, including myself at some point in time um, have made missteps in educating them and showing them um, the plethora of examples within the hip-hop community and the history behind the hip behind hip-hop as a as a music and more importantly as a culture uh, I mean there was a there was uh, a piece that I sampled. It was there was actually a time where Ice Cube and Soldier Boy were going going at it, and I found this commentary so interesting. Basically, um, to to get direct to the point, um, Soldier Boy had uh, Ice Ice T had made some sort of comment on Soldier Boy's music, and he kind of acknowledged out loud that. Um, that he didn't approve of of his music and that he felt that you know he was he was quite ignorant and he was you know just going all about it room um and soldier boy responded to ice t from his you know multi-million dollar mansion that he bought for his mother and his siblings and said you know um you know, like my favorite rapper is 50 Cent. You know what I mean? Like no, nobody gave me a hip hop care package, you know? So if you really cared that much, you would have gotten in touch with my people and you would have put me on or you would have came visit me. You could have wrote me a letter, you know, this email, social media. And to be honest with you, you know, I can't say that many of the comments that Ice-T was making about Soldier Boy's music and movement um, were foreign or di much different than my opinions at that time. But, you know, to be able to hear him clearly state himself that way um, really was an eye-opener to me because I had an, I kind of had an idea about it based on my experiences with the kids, but he said it really, really clear. And, he, and, and then he also went on to say, how dare you, as a matter of fact, how dare you um, come at me that way when you were once a teenager making something out of nothing? And, you know, in comparison to where my counterparts are and what I could have, what could have happened, you see me talking to you from, from the house that I built for my family. So learn how to help, don't criticize me. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm at with it because I, I do have to, I do have to understand them at at that point. And I do have to understand that, you know, as Jamal was saying, I am growing into a different phase of my life. And I'm trying to be very cognizant of being that old guy on the porch. Because that doesn't that doesn't offer a, a opportunity for growth. You know, that, that stagnates us and, and, and separates us. So, you know, even when they bring me something that I really Consider garbage, you know. I have to take a, I have to take a breath. I have to clear my mind, and I gotta give it. I gotta give them most importantly my ear and time to check to check it out. 
you know, once once the composition is done, and I've and I've really given my effort to pay attention, then I can, you know, I, I don't know whether we curse or not, but then I can, you know, I can destroy whatever concept that they think, you know, is the new wave or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But I need to really be, I need to be knowledgeable of it, especially if I'm asking them to be knowledgeable of the of the history and and and, and the art form itself. So again like there's no one there's no one real answer here i can only uh exude what it is that you know that, that i have and i and, and was passed to me and then you know watch them grow and help and help them grow you know and definitely you know i, I have my defi- i have i have my lines i don't know if they're, def- they're defined as much as as i want them to be but uh let them know when i think they you know that they're veering off track if they decide to, to take that role, you know, that's on them. But as an advisor, as a mentor, I can say, hey, you know, I, I don't know if it's the greatest idea, you know, <laughs> to, to lap dance on the, on the devil and put out Nikes with blood on his shoe. I don't, I don't know if that's a great idea. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I damn sure wouldn't do it. I don't advise you to do it. You know, we'll see what happens. Because they're going to do it. Any- you know, that's the thing about kids. They're going to do it anyway. You know what well, I mean? You just, part, the, the, the cultural norms, it feels like, are not what 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 was set aside as a cultural norm. Feels like the the younger generation is definitely breaking those things apart and yeah. being disruptive. Mm-hmm. Some and sometimes for the better. Sometimes for the better. I mean, this you know, what they say you got to break some eggs to to make a cake, or I don't know what the saying mm-hmm. is, but you know, so. You know, there's no there's no reason for me to try to stop it. I can't stop it. You know what I mean? But at least I can grab you by the coattail and be like, "Hey, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you want to jump <laughs> on that cliff, bro." You know? So. <clears throat> Anyone else have any comments on? I mean, on just in in general, in terms of how generationally maybe we're seeing cultural appropriation that it, it seems to be more. Um, problematic, I think, for older generation than it does seem to be for the younger generation. Are they helping to facilitate this, or is it um, in the Kira's response, the note around what is our responsibility to the youth to be able to edify them and and remind them um, of when they are not sort of following the right the right um, processes? Yeah, I think um, older generations have always had problems with younger generations, especially older artists when they see younger artists come. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot growing up um, with people just dissing hip hop. It's like, oh, they're not even singing. They're, it's just, they're taking something that somebody else has done, you know? And, 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 and to me that was, there was a racial component to that, but there was also a generational component to not understanding how you can take bits and pieces of different completed works of art and put it together and make something original. Um, and, and you know, I mean, I think, look, my parents didn't get what I was listening to. I'm sure their parents didn't get what they were listening to. And I don't always get what, you know, I hear on, on like serious hip hop nation, which I know is kind of geared towards sort of a golden demographic of, you know, 14 to 29. 
Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not always down with what I'm, you know, what I'm hearing, but older folks weren't really down with what I was listening to when I was that age. So, you know, you just, there's, I think there has to be some grace and some understanding that younger generations are going to do things differently. They're going to take what came before and I, I don't know about improve on it, but, but, but do their own thing. Um, and, and at the same time, you hope that somebody who's making money off of art has respect for the people who came before the pioneers who made it possible for them to earn a living with that art so you know that's where i come down on the, the whole generational issue anyone else want to comment before we move to another question on that no okay <laughs> um so flex has a statement here i thought was interesting around one of black people's and he has the, the says flex i'm going to add that hashtag there but one of black people's greatest strengths is the ability to create great art at a rapid pace how be it one of our um how is it one of our greatest weaknesses is since we create so much art at a rapid pace we're always out with the old and then in with the new was kind of sort of a, a dovetail off this last question. But while the old stuff really isn't that old, it is still dope. So other cultures gravitate to what we have left behind and stake their claim. Do you think that is true or do you think that, do you disagree with that statement? That's definitely true. Um, however, it's almost like we, we create something we do it and we move on to the next. And some people keep doing it. Um, then everybody else kind of gravitates and picks up on it. And then they, they do try to take it as their own and build on it. You know, like we can say rock and roll is kind of one of the major ones that we see. Jazz has kind of done that. Um, or not kind of, has done that. Uh, it's almost, but it's the thing about it is because because we, the world is always changing. We're always moving, so we're always going to create a new thing. And so, the the issue is whether we hold dear to the things that we created and, and left behind. And that's I think where our issue lies is, is that others will hold it dear and start trying to do it and start making more off of it when we were like okay you know what we we did that we're over here now let's keep doing this thing and as soon as you get on this and you think it's the thing and you're on it we're off to the next one again like we keep moving um because that's just our thing like we've just been kind of ingrained with that because of of how we have to keep generating things like we have like it, it we don't have too much that we can hold on to and really we feel we make a living from it, right? Like it's hard for you to make a living at most things anyway. But when you're just creating things, like when you, it's not like you're getting a template on how to do it, you just create it and you continually create, you're trying to work it out, you're trying to figure it out, this is my thing, all right, cool, I'm doing this thing, I'm hustling on this, there's some other people doing it too, we're building on this thing. And then once it gets to a certain level, it's like, all right, you, it took so long for you to get there. The next generation is kind of like, all right, that's old. And they're moving on to the next thing. Like, it's kind of like, because that was what was happening, I think, for me in 
the early 2000s when I was like, all right, I want to figure out what the next thing is going to be because I already know hip hop, we're at where we're at. And you can hear, you know, drum and bass, all these different things are coming. So what's going to be the next thing? Because I need to move over there and keep moving. If I stay in this pocket, I'm going to be an old rapper. Like it's just going to, that's just going to how it's going to be just because of how we are. Like, I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be in the same whack, like not whack cadence, but the same cadence and flow. I can't, I can't rhyme like I'm Grandmaster Cats. Like it, it, you've gotta move forward. So with us, it's like, okay, you've gotta keep moving it. We're always trying new things and some of them catch. And when they catch, it's like, all right, cool. Let's roll with that. Everybody else gravitates onto it. And then somebody's off to the next new thing. Holding dear to those things that we've already left behind we leave that to the people who pick it up and go, oh yeah, I like that. But we were, like I said, we're, we've moved on. Like, and, and, and then you get to that space where it's like, who's gonna be the crotchety old person who's like, well, it was so much better when you did it this way. Like, it, it, okay, I totally understand it. Like, that's that generational thing. Like, it was, but like, so I, I can totally understand why parents felt that rap wasn't music now that I'm older. Back then, I couldn't understand it. Like, it didn't make any sense to me. It was like a weird argument. I'm like, what are you talking about? But now, when I really look at it, it's like, oh, okay, I can totally see what you're saying. And I totally appreciate what you were listening to that made you think that this wasn't music. However, because I grew up in this, I appreciate it as well. I have a hard time appreciating the new wave of it. But it's gonna take me time to gravitate towards that. So it's like, it, it becomes that pendulum swing of, oh, I was young, now as I get older, these things seem to, like, I seem to be acting like my parents or my grandparents. And it's like, you're watching that whole process play out with the youth that you deal with and going, oh, wow, you listen to that? That's really what y'all call music nowadays? Like, um, so it, it, it's one of those things where it, it generationally, we've kind of have to hold on to it. Because if you just always want to point fingers at the generation behind you, then that's the easiest way for you to lose control and lose hold of, you know, that feeling, that that actual gravitation, because it really is just music. We they they compartmentalize it into these genres because it has different pieces to it, but it literally is just music, and it really does come down to you going, okay, cool, this is what it it's morphed into. This is that side of it. This is that thing of it. I still like. I, I, I still love James Brown. I still right. love, like, it, you know, like it, it, it's just, it's like history. If you don't pay any attention to it, well then yeah, you're doomed to repeat <laughs> the mistakes of the past. And you, you, you're gonna think what you're doing is new when you don't realize that it was already done, so. Yeah, Shanika Candice, I would love to hear your perspective on this, especially as it relates to Thinking about, I mean, we're talking about this almost like, I call it like planned obsolescence of like phones. When they get built, they're already planning for the next phone. So it's just, is, is it hip hop only experience that? Or does that happen with like R&B and soul music, blues and, and reggae as well? Um, which seem like they're more um, based in paying homage as long as possible, that there isn't a need to constantly innovate. Right, I think it's, um, no, I, I think that's, that's across the board because um, audiences as loyal as they can be they have short attention spans and that's with, with anything um, 
You see that with even things like your favorite celebrity passing away. Um, it Eventually, people just stop talking about it. Um, it's the type of jeans that all the girls are going to Forever 21 to go get. Um, yeah, they wear it for a while. I think, you know, yeah, they just, people have short attention spans. So you really are just what grabbing what is in and capitalizing on it a lot of times. Um, <clears throat> teenagers are one of, of one of the uh, huge audiences that um, kind of dictate style and that within that group, whether it be music, um, what we wear, um, and it was for us growing up. I mean, that's how I, I, I express myself, but it's also, um, I was also a musician as well. I played saxophone and all I did was play jazz um, and, and classical music just all the time um, when I was really young. But getting up higher into um, bands and certain people that I was playing with, I realized that there were older people that definitely um, heard the influence of my favorite um, favorite saxophone player when they heard me play. They knew where I was trying to go with it. And as long as I was making it my style, I felt like it was okay. Um, but you, I, I would hear full-on um, solos being played, not like quotes thrown here and there of, um, <clears throat> sorry, um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, when we, okay, so when I played with CI at the lounge and Frank Mitchell was playing saxophone with us, he always had, had a line um, that most people would say, that's from Pete Rock and CL Smooth, but he, in every time he plays the song, he put in the, um, in his solo, uh, what is it, what is it, um, and so he would do that all the time in, in his solo, and so many people were like, oh, that's Pete Rock, CL Smooth, it's like, this song came before that, they used that. And that's okay. But they, you know, how many people just didn't know that's what it was, you know? Um, so I think it's important in that aspect to kind of, um, and, and, you know, to, to, you know, to, to educate, but I also know that you see, I see music platforms that will actually have, um, the history, um, the history of what some songs are. And I will go, and sometimes I will, I will if it's something I really like, I'll say what the, if see if it's the original, or when the original came out. I'll take it upon myself as an artist to do that. Um, so I just think, as long as we are, um, as long as we are able to do that, in that aspect of it, I think, because because kids also. Are, are including everything. They're heavily, heavily, um, 
they're including uh, the sexuality where before I mean yeah that was something that people talked about obviously but I mean I, I have a 17 year old boy right now I know that what he is dealing with right now as far as music school friends all that stuff changed I, I nobody would be giving lap dances to the devil in a music video when I was that age I'm not you know I just don't see that happening without somebody's grandma being like, what the is going on here? You know, um, or auntie, you know, my auntie would, she would, she'd be writing to whatever president that was, that she would, that's how serious it is, you know, for, for my, just for example, just for my family and old being old school. So they're way more inclusive um, with what's, what's going on. Um, with their sexuality. Um, I didn't know anything about aromanticism. I didn't know anything about being an asexual, any of those things I didn't know. So So you're seeing a lot of changes in the culture period just, and people are, um, I mean, even if you're watching Netflix and you're watching and everything you, Everything that you see, it's just times are changing and they're going in certain directions. People are picking up and taking things that they want. Um, and But we also take things back to a time. So 80s styles, asymmetric crop tops, like all these things, just the, the culture goes back, then it comes back, then it goes back and constantly taking things that they feel like they can... Um, you know, modernize and make it and make it theirs. They're constantly doing that right now. And things are happening super fast because like I said before, people have short attention spans, you know? So, uh, you know, the music is gonna keep coming out. Um, I mean, and then you, there's so many layers too because our presidencies, like our presidents are different. That changes, you know, some things too. So there's just like, there's so many layers to it to unpack. And, and right now it's hard to say with some, with the younger generation, what is pro, what is uh, cultural appropriation or not, because I feel like there's just, I, I, I would just put it to you like this. In a black household, the way the devil is being thrown around in these hip-hop songs like that, um, like I said, somebody's grandma is going to throw some water on you. You're going to church with them the next Sunday. Something's happening. The change is going to have to be me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what pe- what we are willing to accept in society right now um, is a lot different as well. So, and and for any of you out there who think I'm hating on Lil Nas X, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> trying to make a comparison. Um, or about... beautifully uncomfortable. Yes, keeps. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because my ass would have got beat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like it would have. It. I. I. If it, yeah. Like my mom had an issue with MTV. Me watching MTV. My dad was the one who was constantly, um, he and he was also a musician and artist as well. So, you know, he had a little bit more of an open mind, whereas my mom came from um, a space and a time where 
you were to be seen and not heard, that kind of thing. So, like I said, there's a lo so many layers to unpack when it about um, about this topic. Um, it's hard. Yes. I don't I don't want to rush anyone. I know we're we're looking right at the last five minutes here. And I wonder if um, sort of any last minute thoughts, there's a question on sort of, well, it, it, will it ever cease to be? And I there was even a question here I, I would have loved to get to on whether white people are guests in hip hop. Um, and what does that mean? And I think Lord Jamar and for, for people that may be following this argument of Lord Jamar from Brand Nubian and Eminem um, and how that's come about and that there's a lot more people voice coming to Eminem's defense. A lot of people sort of recognizing that what does it mean to be a guest in hip hop and people feeling a little slighted by like, am I a guest in hip hop or am I a guest in this black art form? Um, Anybody want to maybe tail off on that and maybe give some closing commentary on, on this conversation? Muted, I said, well. <laughs> I'll, 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 yeah, I'll do. Um, Pressure's on. No, because I'm, I'm, I'm the guest. I mean, like I said earlier, um, it's important for me to recognize and to to state like really clearly these are black art forms um and so and, and i'm not trying to to paint myself as something that i'm not i just try to be authentically me and play music that i enjoy and that i love and and, and enjoy art that i love and, and you know and so um you know, maybe I don't know if guest is 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 the right word, but I definitely feel like um, you know honor needs to be paid and respect needs to be paid to the art forms, to the pioneers who came before. Uh, if I were ever so fortunate as to be able to, to to earn a good living in art, I would owe it all to the people who came before, uh, many of whom weren't able to make a good living uh you know so that's where i come at it um you know i don't know if that's the right way to think about it but that's how that's how i process being you know i mean i'm 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 hispanic so i'm i'm, I'm an ethnic minority but i'm a white person i'm not a, a person of color and nor do i pretend to be uh but but you know that's that's where where I come at the the issue of appropriation and art forms that are, you know, a little bit uh, um, have been mined a lot by by white people and culturally appropriated by white people. But I think you know, when you go back, you know, these are these are questions that have been asked all throughout history. I mean, when 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 white jazz artists. Uh, um, you know, would have to, to deal with, you know, a lot of the insults and, and, and things like that from, from black jazz artists. You know, uh, sometimes it was probably warranted and sometimes it was probably over the top. It's not, you know, that's not for me to say and that's not for me to judge. Uh, you know, white people have appropriated black music the entire history of this, of this country. So, um, you know, I think for me, it's important to just show respect 
show honor, listen, understand, um, and then just try to give back as much as I can. anyone want to chime in on last comments and that thank you ian for sharing that perspective i think so important to hear that from someone who navigates sort of these issues on a daily basis i think um anybody else want to before we head out i'll just say this real quick it'd be great <clears throat> if we all treated hip-hop and the earth as if we were guests it, it really comes down to that. If you just had the respect of a guest in any culture, it would be, you would have, you know, people would treat it a little with a little bit more, uh, I don't know, I guess, respect. And that's, that's all it comes down to for me. I don't really look at any particular color as a guest. I really think of it as, you know, truthfully, a black person from Midwest who only got to see hip hop from videos and what have you as a guest, just because you are the skin color doesn't make you part of the culture. It's you actually taking it on and truly living it. And that's the only way. And to me, if we just treat it as if we were guests, then we would respect it more. We respect the earth more. So that, well that's how it should be done. That was so well said. I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I agree with you 100%. Well said. I think we're all guests on this planet, um, each other's neighborhoods, each other's space. And as long as the respect is there and it's given, that's all that really matters. I think it's the lack of respect or the loss of respect while we're at this point where we need to have these conversations. Very well said. Yes. About Akira, any um, final thoughts from you? Sometimes and, it's and I, I invite you all to, to to DM me and stay in contact because we definitely have to try to figure out, you know, something to, to, to better this culture and this process. Thank Absolutely. you for having me a part of this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and taking your time out for this conversation. We appreciate you. Thank you. That was awesome. Yes. Thank you so much, all panelists. We really appreciated you coming and spending the time with us. And yeah, everyone for watching too. Thank you so much again. Go to www.wblinc.org to follow this conversation and look at the, the content calendar for... Uh, all the different things that are coming up. Don't miss it. This podcast was produced by Executive Director Mazi Mutafa. Post-production by Rhythm Lingo Music. Past episodes can be streamed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Mixcloud. Words, Beats, and Life podcasts are produced through funding from partner grants and in-kind donations from people like you. Visit wblinc.org slash donate to make a contribution.